We have come your way once again. This is JSO. Any communication with us, either by WhatsApp or call, can be done on 0246135843. JSO, Jesus saves the lost. Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 6 and 7. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. Amen. Uh, we are looking at Bible prophecies. Bible prophecies and uh, when you take the bible you will see that it's in two sessions part of it records events that have already taken place so it's called history and other parts are things that have been spoken that we are expecting the fulfillment of those things so it's yet to happen, and it's called prophecy. So past events that have been recorded for our learning or our example, an event that we are looking forward to the occurrence of it, that is prophecy, is yet to happen. But I want us to look at one from the book of Daniel. One from the book of Daniel. Jesus said in the Hebrews chapter 10 that we read, verse 6 and 7, it says that in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Before we go to Daniel, let us turn our attention to the book of John. John chapter 5 verse 46 john 5 verse 45 to 46 do not think that i will accuse you to the father there is one that accuses you even moses in whom you trust 46 for he for had ye believed moses you would have believed me for he wrote of me but if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? That is the 47. I've added the verse 47 to it. Now let's go to Luke chapter, the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. The book of Luke chapter 24. I want us to read from the verse. 27 book of Luke chapter 24 verse 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expanded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself amen bible prophecies bible prophecies jesus said in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will O god that means that the whole book this bible is all about jesus so what the prophets were writing their prophecies and the writings of moses as we read in john chapter 5 verse 40 5 to 47 that jesus himself said all the writings of moses they were they were focused on him in other words he was the main focus of moses write up so if you believe moses then you got to believe him now let's look at bible prophecy one of the prophecies from the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, 
we know that there was a king called King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and in his dream he saw an image. The head of the image was gold and the chest and the arms were silver. The belly and the thighs were uh, the belly and the thighs were brass and the legs were made of iron. The legs were made of iron and the feet and the toes were made of clay and iron. So clay and iron were partly mixed together. But this is a dream that Nebuchadnezzar did not understand. It confused the king. And so we know that Daniel interpreted the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. But the Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 17 that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, a word shall be established. And we saw that scripture in one of our studies before. That this, so that means that when God gives a word or when God wants to do something, he gives a confirmation to his servants. When God wants to do something or he gives a word, he brings a confirmation. So the dream was also given to Daniel. With the same interpretation, but just that Daniel's dream did not come in the form that Nebuchadnezzar's own came. Nebuchadnezzar's own was a form of a metal substances. He saw gold, he saw uh, silver, brass, iron. But Daniel's own happened in chapter 7. And Daniel saw four beasts coming out from the sea. Though the dream had the same interpretation as Nebuchadnezzar's own, but the objects were different. And so Daniel saw a lion that had the wings of eagle. That is the first beast that came out from the sea in Daniel's dream. And this lion with the wings of an eagle is the same in interpretation as Nebuchadnezzar's dream that he saw the image and the head was gold. So the head of gold in Nebuchadnezzar's dream is the same in interpretation as the Daniel's dream that he saw a lion with the wings of an eagle coming out from the sea. And this shows Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian empire, his Babylonian empire, because the queen that have been found, the queen of the Babylonian empire, the symbol of the queen or the portrait is a lion that has the wings of an eagle. In other words, God was showing Nebuchadnezzar that you, King Nebuchadnezzar, these are the kingdoms or the powers that will arise to rule this world. And you, King Nebuchadnezzar, your Babylonian empire, you are the head of gold. But after you, there will come another kingdom. And there will come another kingdom and another kingdom in that succession who will rule the world until the coming of my son, the, his kingdom that will rule the world. And so in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, Daniel chapter 2, verse 34, he said, thou saw, thou saw it till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. So Nebuchadnezzar beheld the image in the dream and a stone was cut from a bigger stone but without hands. And the stone was thrown and crushed Nebuchadnezzar's image on its feet 
and it broke it to pieces. Now, the second beast that Daniel saw, which also came out from the sea, is a bear. And this bear was lopsided. That means it was not balanced. It was tilted to one side. And the bear had three ribs in his mouth. Now, it turned out in history that after the Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian Empire, the next superpower, there came the Medio-Persian Empire. That is the Medians and the Persians. They formed an ally. So they became the Medio-Persian Empire. And they ruled. But Though they were allied, the kingdom, the strength of the kingdom depended more on the Medians than the Persians. The Medians were stronger than the Persians. That explains the reason why the bear that Daniel saw was lopsided. In other words, it was tilted to one side. In the Medio Persian Empire, they made three major conquests. They conquered Babylon itself, they took over Egypt and Libya. That explains the reason why the bear, though it was one side, it was one sided, but it had three ribs in his mouth. And the third beast that Daniel saw was a leopard a leopard and this leopard had eagle's wings and it also had four heads this leopard what does it mean it turned out in history that after the medio persian empire there came a man called alexander the great alexander the great conquered the world within a short time but it turned out that when he was 32 years old he died so that shows you how fast he conquered the world he had such a military might a very strong and powerful army that took over the world but when he was 32 years old he died you know the leopard is a very fast animal and the eagle is also very fast the eagle is even swift and so when alexander the great died there were four generals who were left behind and these four generals they divided the kingdom amongst themselves and they ruled that explains the reason why the leopard had for heads. The normal leopards that come, that we know, doesn't come with four heads. But in Daniel's dream, this leopard had four heads. Because after Alexander the Great, his four generals that he left, they divided the kingdom and they ruled. One of the lep- the, sorry, one of the generals, the generals was called Ptolemy the first. He, he ruled over Egypt and Israel, that portion of the Middle East. And then the other was Seleucus the first. He took over Syria and Mesopotamia. And the third one was Lysamichus. Lysamichus took over Macedonia and Greece. And then the last but not the least was Cassander. He ruled over Asia Minor and Thrace. So these four generals explain the reason why Daniel saw four heads on the head uh, of the leopard that he saw. But then after Daniel said he saw the fourth beast. And the fourth beast, Daniel could not really describe its form. The fourth beast 
Daniel said it was ferocious. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Hallelujah. And so Daniel saw the fourth beast, and this fourth beast had the teeth of iron, metals, in his mouth. It also had ten horns, and it was very strong and ferocious. This fourth beast crushed the three previous beasts, the predecessors. It crushed them, and it trampled the residue, as we just read. It trampled the residue under its feet. But Daniel said the most striking thing about the fourth beast that struck him so much was not that it had the teeth of iron. The most striking thing about the fourth beast was not that it was even stronger and that it crushed the previous beast. That is the leopard, the bear, and the lion with the wings of eagle and the leopard of forehead. The most striking thing about this fourth beast is not that it even crushed them and trampled them under its feet. But I said the most striking thing about it is that it had ten horns. Now, after this uh, Alexander the Great and his four generals, there came the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, their soldiers used to dress in metals. That explains the reason why the, the fourth animal that Daniel saw had the teeth of metal or iron in his mouth. And the Roman Empire ruled. They were the next superpower on the earth. And they rude. And Daniel said that he was wondering what this fourth beast and the whole dream meant. But as Daniel was wondering, because he himself was frightened, then he said that these ten horns, as he beheld them, the ten horns on the head of the fourth beast, there arose one of the horns. And it developed human mouth and human eyes. And it started speaking blasphemous things against the Son of God. And this horn, these ten horns, represent ten federations of nations that will arise in this end time. But among these ten federations, there will be one man who would stand and he will speak blasphemous things against God. He will speak blasphemous things against the Son of God, Jesus. And this man is the Antichrist, or if you like, the Antichrist. Uh, the Antichrist is going to be the last gentle governor on earth the last superpower or gentile power on earth gentile gentile power that means a kingdom that is not from god gentile power on earth before the stone that nebuchadnezzar saw in daniel chapter 2 verse 34 which we read some minutes ago before that stone that he saw which was from a bigger stone without hands was thrown to crush Nebuchadnezzar's image at his feet before that stone will be thrown. And that stone is the kingdom 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will fill the whole earth. And that kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So the Antichrist is going to be the last Gentile governor upper on this earth. Then the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kingdom will then be established. The Antichrist, as we saw in one of our teachings before, that the Antichrist will come of one world government, one world currency, one world economy. And he will also bring his identification mark. Revelation chapter 13, verse 18, the number 666. He will bring it. But the Antichrist, this will be the time of the great tribulation. But before then, I just want to bring our minds, JSL, I want to bring our minds to something. That God has divided the human race into three categories. God has divided this human race, or God sees the human race in three categories. When God looks upon this earth, he does not see uh, an American, a Ghanaian, a British, Nigerian, Togolese, Yoruba, Igbo, Ashanti, Equapem, and Nzema, those things. Yes, he knows he knows them, he knows all these people, but God sees everybody as belonging to one of these three categories. That is what I mean. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. Paul said, give none offense either to the church, the Jews or the Gentiles, the church of God the Jews or the Gentiles. So these are the three categories that God sees the human race into or the human race have been divided into. You are either a Jew or a church of God or a Gentile. First of all, the Jews, they are a special nation to God, whether you like it or not, accept it. They are a special nation to God. You see, how? Because, you see, the Jews, uh, when God created this world, the Bible says that thou shalt not worship the creature. You can't worship the creature. No creature is to be worshipped. It's only the creator, the maker of all things, God Almighty, who is to be worshipped. But the people of this world, most of them worship the creature, the created things, instead of the creator. So human beings look at a river. They say this river is very big and is a powerful river. Oh, this is the river that protects our community. And they begin to sacrifice to the river and they make it their God. Human beings look at a very big tree and they say, this tree is our God. And they worship the tree. Human beings bow to the mountain. They say, this mountain is very huge. And they make the mountain their God. They worship the created things, the creature instead of the creator. But there was a man called Abraham. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2. Abraham's father, Terah, worshipped idol. And Abraham's household. But you see, the God who sees the hearts of men knew that Abraham was not in favor of idol worship. His, uh, 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 the, what his father, his household were doing, Abraham was not in favor of it. And so God called Abraham out of his father's household, his father's family, or out of his family. And they come out 
and go to the land that I will show you. You see, in other words, the people of this world, they worship the creature, the created things. But you worship the creator. Your heart is for the creator. And so God decided to make Abraham a nation. You see, he decided to make him a nation, the father of a nation or a nation, if you like. And so Abraham gave birth to Isaac and he introduced his son Isaac to the worshiping of God. And Isaac also gave birth to Jacob. He begot Jacob and he introduced Jacob to the, to the worship of God. And after Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. So God decided to make those 12 sons the patriarchs. In other words, the forefathers of a a nation that is called Israel. And so the Jews, they are, or the Israelite, Israel is a special nation, the Jews, to God. You see, if you separate out the Jews, all the rest of the people of this world are the Gentiles. And then Jesus has shed his blood for us. And so there are people who have believed in the blood of Jesus that stands for our atonement. And so these people who have believed in Jesus, they have become a new nation, a royal priesthood a special nation chosen by God. This is where you belong to, and this is where I belong to. And anyone who who has believed in Christ Jesus, whether the person is a Jew or a Gentile, belongs to this royal priesthood. And this group is called the Church of God. Then there are others, they are neither Jews by birth, and they too, they don't belong to the church of God because they have not believed in Jesus as their Savior. And so they are still the Gentiles. So these are the three groups that God sees the human race. He has categorized the human race into. And these three groups will come for judgment they will stand before him for judgment. And the first group that will come for judgment, that will stand in God's judgment, is the church, the church of God. But that is not our focus for these studies. That will be for another studies. And then the other group will be the Jews. But when Jesus judges the church you see so the judgment will be in there are three scenes of his judgment three scenes the first group who will be judged the church of god the seat that jesus will sit on to judge the church is called the judgment seat of christ romans chapter 14 verse 10 to 12 Everyone shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ. And then, when he is judging the Gentile nation, he will sit on a throne called the throne of Christ's glory. That is a seat that he will sit on, the throne of Christ's glory. That is Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 32. Jesus said, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and the multitude of his angels, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory and he will separate the nations uh, to his left and to his right as a shepherd separate the sheep to his right and the goat to his left. And then when he's judging the dead people, you sit on the throne, the throne of Christ, sorry, the great white throne. But I want us to look briefly at the 
Jewish judgment. You are asking what throne would he sit on or what seat will he sit on to judge the Jews. Uh, but as we go on, we will see that the Jews, their judgment will take a different form, like a different form as we go on. You will see it with scriptures. It will take some form. Let me put it that way. Don't get confused. Okay, don't get confused. But uh, the the Jews, their judgment, is it? I said that there are some Jews who have believed in Jesus, though majority of them have still not believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Those who have believed in Jesus, they have become part of the church of God. But the Jews, the rest of the Jews who have not believed, God is going to punish them for their unbelief in the Messiah. He said he came to his own, by his own receiveth him not. But as many as received, believe in him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. John chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. And so those Jews who have not believed Jesus as the Messiah, God is going to punish them in this end time for their unbelief in the Messiah. And to understand the Jewish judgment, we must also understand that there are two major principles by which God deals with the human race. It's called the principle of punishment and blessing. The principle of punishment and blessing. And so when God wants to punish the Jews, he punishes them through the Gentiles. Uh, what I just said, just repeat it to your neighbor. I said, when God wants to punish the Jews, he punishes them through the Gentiles. That is why in the Bible, most of the times, when Israel does something very offensive to God, they sin against God. Most of the times, the the Gentiles, the Assyrians, Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, they will come and then uh, fight them and defeat them. Because God, when you read First uh, Chronicles, well, God punishes the Jews through the Gentiles. You will see examples of that where Nebuchadnezzar uh, will come to Jerusalem and be parading in Jerusalem and be taking people captives like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all those people and be slaying people and the rest. He doesn't even know that God punishes his own people when they offend him through the Gentiles. So the first principle is the principle of punishment. And when he wants to punish the Jews, he does so through the Gentiles. But when God wants to bless the Jews, he blesses them directly. Let's not uh, mistake that for. I say when God wants to bless the Jews, he blesses them directly. But when he wants to punish them, he punishes them through the Gentiles. And again, when God wants to Principle number two, when God wants to bless the Gentile world, the rest of the world, he blesses them through the Jews, the Israelites. And when he wants to punish the Gentiles, the rest of the world, he punishes them directly. And so God said to Abraham, Genesis 12, verse 1 to uh, 3, he says, I'll bless those who bless you. And the, the one who cares you are cares you. And then he said that in this shall the whole earth be blessed. We knew that he was talking about the seed that will come through uh, Isaac and to Jesus Christ and the rest. But these are the two principles by which God deals with the human race the principle of punishment and the principle of blessing. And so the Jews in this end time, 
God is going to punish them for their unbelief in the Messiah through the instrumentality of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will come and do certain things and it will be very terrible, chaotic for the whole world. But the Jews will bear the brunt of it. Because the Antichrist, first of all, let's look at let's look at the scripture here in Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, chapter fourteen, the book of Zechariah, chapter fourteen. Um, but before then, let me say this: We'll come back to Zechariah. Let me say this. I started by saying that the Bible is in two sessions. You see history, events that have already taken place, and events that are yet to happen, which is called prophecy. But so the reason why God gives his word in history, so that his children will be able to predict his actions going forward, so that his children will believe that God said this thing before and it has happened. So the rest which are yet to happen is for sure that once the others have happened, this one too will happen. So that his children can predict his actions going forward. So in the Bible, we see a story of a, a, a young man, his name was Joseph. And the Bible says that Joseph's father, Jacob, loved him so much. Of all the 12 sons of Jacob, he loved his son Joseph so much that he made for him a coat of many colors. But Joseph, Joseph's brothers betrayed him. They jealous him and they betrayed him. And Joseph eventually found himself in Egypt. You know the story. He found himself in Egypt. And and he became a slave there in Egypt. And eventually he found himself in prison. But his brothers suffered very serious famine. They experienced a very serious famine. And they had to venture into Egypt. They went into Egypt, or they went to Egypt for bread. The first time they went, Joseph saw them, but he didn't reveal himself to them. They didn't see him, but he saw them. And then they bought, he allowed them, they came back. Then they ran out of bread again, and they went back to Egypt to buy bread. This time, Joseph ate with them. He ate with them and he, he asked his, his servant to fill their sacks for free. He didn't collect money from them. But he made one of the servants, one of the servants hide or plant his silver cup in Benjamin's way. So when they went away, on the way, Joseph said, ah, I can't find my silver cup. These Hebrews who came to buy and I ate of them, chased them and see whether someone has taken my silver cup. And so they ran after them. And they said, everybody, uh, stand. The, the governor, or the, the prince that you just ate of, he's complaining of the loss of his uh, uh, silver cup. And so we want to search you. Judah said, oh, no, sir. We can't do that. This man has been kind to us. We came to buy grain, and he filled our sack free. He didn't collect money, and he has even eaten with us. How can we do that in this? Okay, you everybody stand aside. And then they poured the first sack. The cup wasn't in. They poured the second. They poured. They poured the other one. And then they poured Benjamin's... Uh, Sack and behold, there was a silver cup. So they gathered all of them back to Egypt and they stood before 
Joseph. They stood before Joseph, their brother. That was their third appearance before their brother. Because the first one, they came to buy, they went back to Cana or wherever they came from. They ran out of bread again because the famine was still severe. They came back, he ate with them and he filled their sacks free. That was the second appearance before their brother. And when they were going back to where they came from, and uh, the, the, the prince complained about the, uh, the loss of his silver cup. So they had to chase them and gather all of them back to Egypt. And they stood in front of him. That was the third appearance. Now, Joseph, uh, Joseph's story, which typifies in the New Testament, Many things about Jesus, a typology of the New Testament story about Jesus. Just as Joseph's brothers stood before him three times, just as they stood before him three times, before he revealed his true identity to them. Because in Genesis 45, Joseph said that, anyway, why have you done this to me? I didn't collect money from you. I gave the grain to you for free. I even ate with you. You sat at my table. And now why should you steal my silver cup? Do that. Then he said, anyway, I will not charge any of you. You are free to go. But a boy in whose, so, uh, in whose uh, sack the cup was found, I will detain him. The rest of you are free to go. That boy was Benjamin, and he was the same mother with Joseph. And so Judah said, oh, no, sir. Sir, we beg you, we can't leave this boy here because our father is still mourning the death of our brother who died. And our father has not stopped thinking about that boy who died. And so if we leave this one here in Egypt and we go without him, our father will mourn and that will even send him to his grave before his time. And so Joseph said, what is the name of your brother who died? What is the name of your brother who died? His name was Joseph. And the Bible says that Joseph turned away from them and he began to weep. Joseph cried so much so that that they were surprised. So they were saying to themselves, they said, ah, this man, what is the problem? Why does he know something about our brother who died that the moment we mention his name, he is crying like this? Because they didn't know they were talking to Joseph. Because his name was Savina Pania, Genesis chapter 41 and verse 45. Genesis 41 verse 45. His name was Savannah Pania. And I believe that because he had lived in Egypt for years, he was also dressed like a pharaoh. And so they could not recognize him. It had been many years. And so Joseph turned to them and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. They said, oh, forgive us. What have we done? And Joseph said, don't be angry with you. Don't be angry with yourselves. That one said, that day I told you people, don't do anything to the boy, he's our brother. Joseph said, don't even blame yourself. For you thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. The famine has been on this land for Two years, and there are five more years to go. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a posterity. Now, that was the third appearance before their brother. And they embraced their brother, and they wept over him, his shoulder. Now, the present-day Israel... 
The land that they occupy now in the Middle East, this is their third appearance on that land. The first time they were coming from Egypt. As slaves, they were coming from Egypt to Hina under Moses. And then the second appearance was under Nehemiah. They were coming to rebuild the broken walls. And then something happened that scattered them around the world. By 1948, after the Second World War, they had to come back to reclaim their ancestral title to their present day land where they occupy now. So this third appearance on the land, just as Joseph's brother stood before him three times before he revealed his identity to them, the Israelites, the Jews, this their third appearance on the land, their brother, Yeshua Hamashua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he can also reveal his identity to his brothers at any time. He can reveal himself to them. So the second coming of Jesus is very near. Now watch this. Watch this. Zechariah chapter 14. First of all, chapter 12. Sorry. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Hallelujah. As so Zechariah is prophesying, it says that they shall pierce him, the one, the, 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 they will mourn for him, the one that they pierce at his side. And then the spirit of supplication, the, the spirit of grace and of supplication shall be poured upon them, that is the Jews, Israel, in this end time. But they will look upon me, the one that they have pierced. We know that it's Jesus who was pierced. They pierce him at his side on the cross. John chapter 19, verse 34. When he came first, his first coming, they rejected him. His own people rejected him. They didn't believe him as the Messiah, the Savior. And so they gave him up and crucified him. They pierced him at his side and blood and water came out. Now, this second coming of Christ just as Joseph's brothers stood before him in Egypt and they embraced him or he embraced them and they wept over his shoulders, they wept over them and they said, oh, this is our brother, we are sorry. This end time to Israel will look upon Jesus, the one that they rejected some 2,000 years ago. And they will say, we are sorry. Forgive us. The one that we pierce at his side and the spirit of supplication will be poured upon them. How? How would this happen? Zechariah chapter 14, the same Zechariah chapter 14, verse, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2 to 4. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the cities and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. They will do very terrible things to them. That is in the great tribulation through the instrumentality of the Antichrist, and even their women shall be raped. 
and he says and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city verse 3 then shall the lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle as when he fought in the day of battle so in this end time nations will gather together against israel he said for i will gather all nations against jerusalem to battle they will gather together against jerusalem israel and they will fight against israel but they will still lose that war they will lose the war how would israel win the battle because in the midst of the battle the lord jesus will descend he will come and he will come with a host of his angels and they will fight the battle on behalf of israel and win the war for israel and then when they win the war for israel but when he comes his feet will touch mount Olive, the same mountain that he stood on in galilee before he ascended to heaven in Acts chapter 1 verse 11 which the angel said to them that ye men of galilee why do you stand here gazing up into the heaven as if you are surprised this same jesus that has been taken away from you into heaven shall come back in like manner he will come back in like manner our eyes will see him and his feet will touch mount olive and when his feet touches mount olive the mountain was split into two one towards the west and one towards the east and that will be the battleground and jesus will fight the battle and win it on behalf of israel and so he and his angels will fight for israel that is when israel will now acknowledge their mistake that they made a terrible error and they will say oh this jesus who came here some two thousand years ago and we rejected him we didn't believe in him as the savior indeed he is the messiah and they will embrace him they will weep upon his shoulder the one that they pierced at his side they gave him up for crucifixion and they pierced at his side and zachariah said in zachariah chapter 12 verse 10 i read that one again it says and i will pour upon the house of david and upon the inhabitants of jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourns as as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn and so this is how israel those who have not believed in jesus will be reconciled to god and then they will be adopted into god's kingdom but i want us to look at something here now watch this israel this will be after the rapture because there if there are some jews who have accepted the messiah have accepted him as the messiah then they have become part of the church of god so as they have accepted him and he comes for his people who have believed in him then they will go but those who miss it and when you read the book of jeremiah you will see that even this part of the tribulation the antichrist and the, the, the the scripture that we read it says that half of the city will go into captivity 
the Zechariah chapter 4 verse uh, this some will run into captivity some will take the number 66 and the rest but those who will stand firm and still be there and then he will uh, and they will not believe in him they will be adopted into God's kingdom when he comes to win the battle for them this battle that he will come with his angels to fight on behalf of Israel against all the nations that that will consent the consenting nations against Israel this battle that he will win for them that will make them acknowledge him and reconcile with him as their brother just as Joseph's story with his brothers happened in Egypt their reconciliation and how they were united with their brother again and so this is what is called the war of Amagadon and so Amagadon the war of Amagadon is is a, a battle between humankind and angelic beings the war of Amagadon between humankind and angelic beings but the during this battle some of the jews will run away and they will go into other nations other countries and some will more treat them some will also treat them well and those who will treat them well those nations who will treat them well they will also have their reward and those who will more treat the brothers of jesus the jews they will also face their punishment so matthew chapter 25 matthew chapter 25 verse 31 let's read on matthew 25 and verse 31 all right when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him verse 32 and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left verse 34 then shall the king say unto them on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world 35 for i was hungry and you gave me you gave me meat that is food i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you gave me you you came unto me. 37 Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink. Verse 38 When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in? or naked and clothed thee or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee and the king shall answer and say and the king shall answer and say unto you inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brothers you have done it unto me and so during this time the battle of the, the war of Armageddon, some of the jews will cross carpet some will run for safety in other countries and they will treat them badly some will treat them war and the reason jesus is that those nations as you have done it for one of these his brothers so have you done it for him and so when you read on it says that those nations are the sheep they'll be guarded to his right 
but those who would treat his brothers wrongly, the the Israelites, they are the goats. They will be guarded to his left, and they will enter into eternal damnation. Those are the gentle nations who remain on the earth. But back to the war of Armageddon and back to Zechariah. This, when these things happen, after the reconciliation of Israel with Jesus, when they will now accept him as their Messiah, those who didn't accept him before, then Paul says something. That is how Israel then will be adopted into God's kingdom. And so then Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, it says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, they shall come out of Zion, the deliverer. Zion is Jerusalem. They shall come out of Zion, they shall come out of Zion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So this is how God will patch Israel. He will turn them away from their ungodliness. And then Israel will also receive their salvation because they will reconcile with Jesus. They will then, or they will now believe in Jesus as the Messiah, just as Joseph's brothers united with him in Egypt. They reconcile with him and pleaded for forgiveness. Now, Israel, when Jesus wins this battle for them, the Amagadon, they will now believe in him as the Messiah. And when they believe in him, then Paul says that all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. They shall come out of Zion, the deliverer. The deliverer is Jesus. And he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So all Israel shall be saved. So the remnants of the Jews who will stay after the rapture, who have not believed in Jesus, who will stay and refuse the Antichrist and his uh, number successes and in the battle of the Armageddon when Jesus comes to fight for them, who believe and reconcile with him. This is how their salvation will be. And then they will be adopted into God's kingdom. And their number is uh, 12,000 from each tribe. 12,000 from the tribe of uh, Dan, 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, and the rest, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, and verse uh, 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the, the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, so we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. Verse 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Verse 5, Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of God were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Esa were sealed 12,000 and it goes on you can read up to verse 9 so 12,000 from each tribe of all the 12 tribes making 144,000 and they are the remnants who will stay and then they will be uh, adopted into God's kingdom, the Jews. And so God bless us all. Please, after all this, you see that this is pointing to the end time. 
But this is not the only Bible prophecy. This is part of it. But this is where we we'll end today's discussion. There are more to come by the grace of God. And in another, uh, in the next uh, discussion meeting, we will look at something else which also points to the end time. But before then, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, please, this is the opportunity to do so. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you as my Savior. Father, your word is true. And I know you came to die for me. And by your death, I have been made a new creature. Because I have believed in you today. Father, I don't want to be a castaway when you appear in your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for accepting me as your own. Thank you, Lord, that I'm your child now. Amen. Father, we thank you for anyone who has accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. This day we pray that Father, Lord, O God, the Holy Spirit will strengthen us to walk in your ways, O God. We also pray that, Daddy, Lord, as we have believed in you, help us, give us the strength because it is not by might nor by power and also by strength shall no man prevail. We need the Holy Spirit more. Father, forgive us all our sins as we have believed in Jesus, so that we can stand for you in this end time, in this world that is passing away quickly, so that we will not be cast away when you appear in your glory. I commit these ones into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you please, I said before that this is from JSO. And our contact is 0246135843. If you have accepted Jesus, we would like to hear from you if you gave your life to Jesus after listening to this. God bless you all. Amen.